Father, we thank you today for your word, Lord. We absolutely believe that it is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. So, Father, we just pray today, God, that you would speak to our hearts directly. Uh, Father, we pray, God, whatever uh, obstacle, God, that stands in your way, God, that you would go beyond that and through that, God, and you would speak directly to our hearts. And, Father, we just thank you for life change. Lord, we thank you for uh, transforming us and changing us more to the image of your Son, God, so we can bring you glory and honor. So, Holy Spirit, come, do what you do best, and teach us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for the last two weeks, we've been answering uh, really one question, and it's this. Why does God want us to read the Bible? Pretty simple question. Uh, we've, we've given basically two reasons. The first reason was simply this, is because God wants us to know him. Can somebody say know him? So the reason God wants us to know him is because he wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know his character. He wants us to know his ways. He wants us to know what he is like, and he wants us to know who he is. How many of you guys know that's really important? Amen. So the second reason that God wants us to read the Bible is because he wants us to know our identity in him. Bottom line is God doesn't want us to base our identity uh, off of what people have said about us. Because how many of you guys know people can be mean? Yes. He doesn't want us to base, uh, base our identity off what the devil tells us. He doesn't even want us to base our identity off of uh, how awesome we think we are or uh, in most cases because because we're just people, we tend to think very negative about ourselves. Is that true? So he doesn't want us to define our identity by those things. He actually wants us to uh, find our identity or let our identity be firmly fixed in his word. And uh, so let me maybe say this to you really quick so we can move on, okay? Uh, because bottom line is, is most of us uh, didn't grow up with godly parents that knew how to speak life over us. In fact, in the previous generations, uh, you know... It, Basically, parents, they didn't even know how to say three little words to their kids. I love you. Is that true? And when you grow up and you don't really hear any positive uh, reinforcements, you don't hear any praise, uh, what tends to be spoken over kids is negative things, and uh, which unfortunately leads to performance instead of acceptance. Is that true? So for us to, uh, you know, come into agreement with what God is saying about us now, we got to get out of agreement of what's been spoken over us in the past. And so, once again, part of that is just is this and it comes back to knowing the word is if what has been spoken over me, if I can't find it, that God said that about me, I need to basically, uh, you know, remove that and I need to change my thinking and begin to declare over my life. This is what God says. Amen. Yes. In fact, let, let me maybe say this to you really quick. Fast rabbit trail. Uh, part of how that happens is this. Once again, the, the Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Right. Okay. so we have an option to speak either life or we have an option to speak death over us. And uh, so over the years, a lot of us have operated from a position of death because of what's been spoken over us. So here's a real, real simple principle. And I'll I'll try to make it plain as possible. When when we study theology and we go all the way back to um, basically the creation, we understand that God, the father had the plans. He had the purpose. He had the blueprints, if you will, about creation. And what did he do? He spoke. And who did he speak? He spoke the word. And once the word was spoken, when you study all this out, that once uh, it's just as I, uh, as when we speak, we breathe out when we say a word that the Holy ghost is actually the breath of God, that when he speaks, basically the Holy spirit took those words and made things happen. Are y'all, are y'all following me today? See, that's why the Bible says that, uh, that all things were made, were made through him and by him. Because the Father spoke the word, and it once again, it created 
what we see. So once again, coming back to us with this right here, we have an opportunity to live and to use a God principle in our lives. And it's simply this, that God, once again, has given us the authority to speak. And when we speak his word over our lives, what happens is, is the Holy Spirit takes those words and he begins to transform us. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that as I speak it, I begin to see myself different. Are you with me today? It's no different than this. If I said the word, uh, if I said, hey, picture a dog to you, most of you guys didn't spell out D-O-G. Most of you guys probably imagined a dog that you've had in your life or you currently had. You, you picture a dog. You, you have an image of a dog in your brain. Yes? So that's what happens when I speak the word, all those scriptures that we said last week, when I begin to speak those things over my life in my own prayer closet, what happens is, is it begins to recreate the image I have of myself. It's just a kingdom principle. Hopefully I explained that well enough. Before I forget, uh, some people uh, actually asked for the scriptures that I used last week, and uh, several people wanted to know, hey, can I get those? Uh, so we actually made copies, put them in the back. They are on the back table back there. If you want a copy, pray those things over your life. Please get the word in you, and I promise you, you will begin to see a difference in your life. Amen? All right. So, all right, so this morning, I just want to share a few thoughts with you so we can kind of close this portion of our current series. And what I mean is, is by the word part, we'll probably go into worship uh, for the month of December and then we'll focus on prayer. But anyway, so let me give you a few facts real fast about the Bible. And if you guys can just bear with me, we'll eat in a minute. All right. So basically a few facts. When, when we translate uh, the words Holy Bible, when we translate that from the Greek language, it simply means this. It means sacred book. Sacred book. Now, what uh, what makes let's talk about for a minute what actually makes the Bible sacred. If you have your Bible, uh, look at Second Peter, chapter one, Second Peter, chapter one. It simply says this, verse 20, it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture The word scripture there actually means uh, that which is written. So we're talking about the Bible here. So it says no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Interpretation is a really unique word there, but it means basically an origin or a beginning. So once again, it's of no private beginning or private origin. And here's what it means in verse 21. It says, for prophecy never came by the will of man. It says, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved. Somebody say moved. As they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what that means is, is the holy men of God spoke as they were directed in their course by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is sacred because it originated uh, not in the minds of men, because it originated in the mind and the heart of God. So if I can say it maybe this way, that these men were guided or they were influenced by the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying it is this, is that that message that you hold in your hands from Genesis to Revelation, it originated once again in the hearts of God. Men were just channels. They were just instruments that God delivered that message from his realm to our realm. Amen. All right. So other scriptures echo this. I, I am going to be kind of teaching today on purpose. OK, so if you can just hang with me. All right. So other scriptures that echo this truth are this. Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture, once again, scripture it means what? It means that which is written. So all scripture is God breathed or it is God inspired. Matthew 22.31, Jesus says this. He says, have you not read? What do you read? You read something that is written. Have you not read what was spoken 
to you by God. Once again, here is men doing the writing and God doing the leading. So let me give you maybe a little bit of extra proof here. Uh, we know the Bible is made up of 66 smaller books, right? It's made of uh, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And, and understand this really quick. I, I say this for a reason, okay? So it's not just to be academia here, but there, there's a purpose in this. So here's 66 smaller books that were written by 40 different men. So these 40 different men, uh, had, they came from all different walks of life. Some of them were shepherds, some of them were prophets, some of them were scribes, some of them, uh, you know, was a cupbearer, tent maker, uh, prophets, fishermen. So all these people came from completely different worlds, if you will. And not only that, but the Bible was written over a 1500 year period. So if we could take a step back and look that in despite of all the differences, of the 40 writers' backgrounds, and if we can look at the different eras that they lived in. I mean, if, just stop and think for a second. How much different is, let, let's say this, the, the day that we live in right now, go back to 1929 in the Great Depression. How different do we live now? You, you know, even, even go back 150 years where there was no vehicles. So, so take that span over 1,500 years and to think about how different it was where they lived, okay? So, but in the middle of that... Here's what's crazy is that the Bible has zero contradictions. You'll follow me from Genesis to Revelation, 40 different men, 1500 different years, and there's no contradictions found in it. And if I can say something without sounding like a heretic this morning, it'd be simply this, that the authors were as unified in their writing as the Godhead that inspired them. Obviously, they weren't. Perfect by any means, but the God who was directing each one of them is perfect. And what they wrote down is without error. Do we believe that? Amen. So on top of that, when you look at the Bible, there is uh, three thousand and two hundred plus prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Now, here's what's crazy is a lot of these prophecies were spoken and four hundred years later, five hundred years later, some of them the next week, but they were fulfilled. To even give you an idea of that, where some would say, you know, the Bible sounds uh, like it contradicts itself with prophecy. There's a there's a spot in the Old Testament where Jesus, I'm sorry, where, where basically a prophet is speaking for God, and he and he begins to declare a curse over a certain land, and he says that basically this land will be underwater, and then it goes on in the next verse and says it will be desolate and dry. Now, when you look at that, you go, God, you're talking out of two sides of your mouth until you go and you actually look at the region that it is. Nine months out of the year, it's dry as a bone. Three months out of the year, it's, it's under a foot of water. You know, another prophecy that actually blows my mind is when God spoke and he said that basically once Babylon was destroyed, it would never be rebuilt again. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Alexander the Great? Did you know that, that Alexander the Great, here's this great conqueror, right? That he spoke on whatever day he spoke and said, we're going to rebuild Babylon. The next day, the guy died. You know why? Because God spoke. Anybody have heard of a guy named Saddam Hussein? Okay, more moderate, right? Um, you know, that guy, before everything happened to him, he said what? I'm going to rebuild Babylon because I'm a modern day Nebuchadnezzar. So what he said. A few months later, we found him in a spider hole. Right. Found him in a hole in the ground. He was captured right after that. He was hung. You know why? Because God spoke when God speaks something, you can go ahead and bank on it. it's going to happen. Amen. 
Amen. So watch this. So you're looking at 3,200 prophecies, okay? So, so even look at the life of Jesus, where Jesus was born, uh, the things he would do when he was, uh, you know, alive, where he would die, all the, all the dynamics. Just read the Gospels. Uh, it is impossible for a man to be able to do all that on his own. Are y'all following me? So, so in other words, here's really what I'm saying. When we look at those 3,000 plus prophecies, if we take a step back, and consider the chance of that just happening in the natural, there's no way. But when we look and see what God has done, it should solidify in our hearts that this Bible that we read isn't from man, but it's from God. Real simple point, yes? It's, but, but listen, as, as believers, we've got to have confidence when we open that Bible that God is speaking to us. All right, so because this book is sacred... And it didn't originate with man. What should be what should our attitude and approach be to it? Okay, or toward it? What should our attitude and approach be toward it? It Says this in Hebrews four two says for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them. So here we have two different groups of people who have heard the gospel. And then it says this. But the word which they heard did not profit. It did not benefit them. Can somebody say it did not? Why did it not benefit them? It says not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. Bottom line is, is when you and I hear or we read the word, we need to approach it or we need to receive it in faith. Amen. So, you know, a pastor that um, Brian and I used to work with for years, his name is Dr. Ralph, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. This guy's got uh, he's got. Uh, Two, two doctrines, and I mean, anyways, the guy's got to, anyways, this guy's forgotten more than I remember. You know what I'm saying? More than I've ever learned. He, he's just a brilliant man. But he used to say this all the time in his classes, in his college classes he would teach. He would say this. He would say, the Bible is first a book to be believed, second to be understood. The Bible is first a book to be believed, and second to be understood. And he always tagged Hebrews 11:6 with it that says this. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. The word please there doesn't mean that somehow you make him happy. It actually means it's impossible to be in agreement with him. But without faith, it's impossible to, believe, uh, to please God. For he who comes to God must what? Believe that he is. Bottom line, that he is. It, you know, nowhere, nowhere does it say in the Bible that we kind of come to God and we got to somehow understand him on some great theological level to please him. It just says we got to have faith. Once again, what's faith? It's taking him at his word. It's understanding that God said what he meant to say, and he meant what he said. So bottom line, I can have confidence in it that what? That he is who he is, and he'll do what he said he'll do. It's real simple, isn't it? So let me show you this verse here in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible this morning. Here, I'll tell you what really happened. I told you guys when, I, when we started studying this, that I had all this information and I went to go study a point, and that was a sermon. I went to study another one, and that was a sermon. I'm going to try to give you the rest today. Okay? All right, here we go. So it's a lot, and we'll see what lands. If, you know, if it all doesn't land, it doesn't land. All right, here we go. So First Thessalonians 2.13, it says this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. How did they welcome it? They welcomed it by faith. Once again, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. I want you to notice that last part there effectively works in you who believe that actually means this. It means that when we when we receive God's word in faith, we receive its authority and its life changing power in our lives. 
When we read the Bible and we go, yes, God, I believe it, it opens up once again for the power of God to come into our life and change us. But what happens when we read the Bible, uh, you know, we can say it this way. The opposite is true, that when we read the Bible and we don't approach it in faith, when we approach it in unbelief and doubt, when we question every bit of it, at that moment, we literally uh, rob uh, God's authority from our lives and we take away his life-changing power. Are you with me? We negate it. We avoid it. So let me give you this real quick, okay? Uh, because I'm definitely not a person that believes that God wants us to be dumb. All right. Just because we receive the Bible in faith, it does not mean uh, that we shouldn't seek to understand the Bible from a knowledge standpoint. We believe that. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. So listen, God has given us uh, the mind of Christ for a reason. Yes. Let me maybe say this to you really fast so you can kind of get what I'm talking about. Jen and I were watching, uh, or somebody shows a clip on YouTube, I think it's what it was. It was off of a, of like a late night TV show. And what they did is, you know, the big, the big rage lately has been, you know, gluten free. Yep. What a curse to live under. All right. So, that was the question. So this talk show or this, you know, late night show, they literally went to the outside of the gym. Everybody's coming out and they're all in their work clothes and they would go, uh, you, you know, do you have a gluten free diet? Absolutely. They go, well, can you tell us what gluten is? Uh, well, it's it's gluten. And um, um, man, I don't know. That's what they would do. I don't know. It was like nobody knew that literally every person they asked, they did not have a clue. They just started maybe naming it. Well, it's bread. It's, it's non it's, they, they didn't know. They didn't even know what gluten was. Now, watch this. If somebody came to us and said, who is God? What do we believe? If somebody stuck that mic in our face, would we know enough to be able to respond to it? Are you following me? Once again, what, you can't just say, well, I believe in him. You're going to sound like a country bucking redneck at that moment if you just say that. Well, I believe in him. Yo, the Lord's good. Amen. What do you know about him? Once again, knowledge. All right. So let me, let me give you another way that we should approach God's word. Acts 17, 10 through 11 says this. It says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. It says, when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11 says, it says, these were more fair minded or more noble than those of Thessalonica. Watch this. Here's the part that I want you to get. It says, in that they received the word. Once again, how did they receive the word? They received it in faith with all readiness or with all eagerness. Watch this word, though. It says, and they searched. Can somebody say searched? They searched. Actually, what that means is that they examined or they investigated the word in a forensic matter. You get that? So it's almost like, you know, we all see on TV, they have these shows, CSI, and they have about 50 of them in different cities around the world. Right. All right. Yes. So anyway, so what happens is it's almost like if you imagine a a crime scene, how they would go and they would look and literally pick away for every detail, try to find is there a hair there? Where's the DNA? Where's the fingerprints? All these things. That's the way these these people approach the word and that manner that they were investigating, examined it to that extent. Now, watch this right here. It says that they search what the scriptures. Once again, that which is written. When did they search the scripture? Come on, say it like you mean it. Daily. I read something and this was old and I guarantee it's probably lower now. 
But here's the statistic. They did a survey among Christian people, and, and there was 18% of Christian, uh, Christian people that actually read the Bible daily. 18%. That's pretty low. Yes? Some people, it was like a majority of the people, uh, basically read it like once a month. That's a shame, guys. Yes? Uh, hope, hopefully, that, you, you know, my, my hope is, is for us is that we would be people who are passionate about the word. Because here's really what I've been trying to tell you the last few weeks is the word of God is valuable. It's something we need to honor it and we need to get in it. We need to be people of it. It's really that simple. We need to be people who have an appetite for the word. And once again, I'll say this. If we're not hungry for the word, what are we getting full on? Yes, because, listen, I don't know about you, but there's been times. I'll say it, just like you, that, that I, there's times where I'm on it and there's times where I haven't been on it. Right. But if I'm honest with myself, the times that I haven't been on it, I feel a leanness in my soul. It feels like there's just something wrong. And maybe what, it, you know, maybe I've been working a whole lot. Maybe I've been really busy. And most of the times what I've found is I've just been watching a lot of TV. Yeah. And what it is, is once again, disciple, the root word disciple means to be disciplined. Bottom line, I have to be disciplined to know when to turn that TV off, know when to wake up a little earlier, know when to prioritize my life and to make God and to make his word uh, basically an important factor in my life. Yes. So, you, you know, when I when I read that, that 18 percent of people actually read the Bible daily, here's immediately where my thought process went to. It went to basically Christians who ride the roller coaster. It's like they're on it. They're pumped up. They're excited about God. And then they're not excited about God. They're not on it. And then something happens. Good service. Whoop, they come back up. Life is good. They're not depressed. And then whoop, you'll follow me. Yes. I guarantee you that if we t- take a step back and if we evaluate our own lives when we've been up and when we've been down, we'll see that we've really been spiritually owned it on the upside and we've really not been owned it on the downside. You know, what? because God doesn't change. Right. Plain and simple. You, you know, listen, let, let me actually share a, a thought with you here that's challenged me for years. Um, has anybody ever heard of a guy named Charles Finning? Scary dude in the gospel. All right. Uh, one of the greatest soul winners that's probably ever lived. But Charles Finney would do this. Every night, Charles would go and he would stand uh, basically in front of his sink and he would look in the mirror and he would say, Charles, are you closer to God right now than when you woke up this morning? And if he could not say emphatically in his heart, yes, then he didn't go to bed until he felt like he was. That's how, you, you know, if we listen, we stop, you know, there's all these people that we admire in the kingdom and and. Here, let me just shoot straight away this morning, okay? We admire them in the kingdom. We want to be like them, but we're not willing to pay the price that they paid to have what they have. You know, the, only, the reason that they're there is not because they're someone special. They've just been people that have been willing to pay the price and go get God. Are you all with me? Yes. All right, so watch this. So here's what I believe that the uh, Bereans were basically what they were doing when they searched the scriptures daily. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, it says this it says Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your what? Let that sink in with all of your mind. You know, there's a part, guys, like the Bereans, as we search the scriptures 
as we, let me say it this way, as we become students of the word, that is our way of actually submitting our minds to the Lord and loving him from our minds and honoring him and saying, God, I I want that to even be a place of worship in my life. Are y'all following me? Yes. So, you you know, I, I don't, I don't know another place that we can really honor God in that way. Other than keeping our minds pure and all of that. But really, you know, once again, when you read the Bible, it's a form of worship. It's a form of declaring your love for him. So let me read this, actually read this uh, larger portion of scripture to you. If you have your Bible, it's not going to be up on the screens. I didn't give it to these guys. But it's in uh, 2 Peter. I will wait on you because I want you to see this. 2 Peter 1 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 1. One through eight. Sorry, I should have said the chapter. These guys, these gals are here. Keep me honest. If you're looking for Second Peter, it's right after First Peter. I'm going to read one through eight. If you're there, say, "Oh yeah." All right. It says this. It says verse one. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Watch the progression here, because we're talking about coming from position of faith to knowledge. It says, to those who have obtained like precious what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Faith, Faith, right? It says, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, we receive faith simply because we heard of what Jesus has done. And then it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Do you get that? Grace and peace be multiplied. How is it multiplied? Through the knowledge of God. It says, in Jesus our Lord says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through what? Through knowledge. So God releases all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. It says that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right. Now watch this. Verse five. This is really important here. Five through eight it says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Do you understand that word diligence? That that's the that's basically an approach that we need to take towards God and his word. We need to have diligence. It says add to your faith virtue to virtue. What? Come on, talk to me to what? Knowledge. That's right. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. Watch this. This is an amazing verse right here. For if these things, that list that we just said right there, these things are yours and abound. In other words, if they're in you, you will be neither barren. That means to be fruitful or fruitless, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, let me back up. The word barren actually means useless, that you won't be useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all following me today? That's the verse that I pray over my own life. God, help me to not be unfruitful in my knowledge of you. Watch this. Please open your heart up and hear this for a minute, okay? If, if, let's go it this way. Let's be honest with ourselves. How, how uh, much of what we already know from a knowledge point in God, how much of that do we already give access to it in our lives? In other words, how much of that are we really applying All right. All right. Thanks. 
So God's given this, given us this wealth of knowledge. So here, let, let me give you a word picture. All right. So in other words, imagine a file cabinet, tons of files filled with the knowledge that God has given us. How much of all of that knowledge that's in that file cabinet are we actually applying to our day to day life? Or are we coming in and oh, I'll, I'll take that today. Okay, I don't need that. Let me get. Okay, I'll take that. Can you imagine how different our lives would look if we actually applied what we know? Now, watch this. Let me give you a familiar verse that's quoted again and again in the church, and it's quoted uh, most of the time with half context. Hosea 4, 6. For my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Okay? If you look at that in context, it actually does not mean, oh, that poor soul, they're just stupid, so they're not doing something for God. They're getting destroyed. Oh, they're perishing. It actually means when you look at the verse before it and the verse after it, it actually means that they are perishing because they do not apply what they already know. That they have chosen to, they hear it and they choose to literally set it aside and go, I'm going to do something else. That's why they're destroyed. So when we look at Christians' lives, why are we getting our lunch ate? Because we're not applying what we already know. Are you all with me today? Am I being too straightforward? All right. So let's go uh, for a few more minutes, and let's see if we can get out of here by 1130 so you can eat. All right? So let's talk about uh, why God wants us to read the Bible. I'm going to give you some fast things. I'm going to sit on, I think, two. Uh, Justin, if you can be ready. Jen, if you can go ahead and go to the back. It would be awesome. Um, Austin, I hope you're ready. All right, here we go. Number one, reason God wants us to read the Bible, so simple, so we won't be deceived. So we won't be deceived. I, listen, I don't think I'm better than any person or better than another preacher at all. Okay? But I can't tell you how many times, just way I'll tell you when, yet, that, that I, have, I have watched Christian television and seen a pastor, because they had some kind of notoriety, say stuff from the Scripture that was so off base and so out of context and so incorrect. But I've watched the crowd jump up, holler, shout, wave their hankies, and it's totally wrong. They're being deceived. Are you all with me today? So Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. it says this. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. The word they're mistaken in the, in the Greek language actually means you are deceived. You are in error. You are being led astray. Why? Because you do not know the scriptures. What scriptures? That which is written. You do not know the word. It says, nor the power of God. The second reason is this. Is so we can discern his voice. This is really important. It's so simple, practical teaching. But it's so we can discern his voice. How many of you guys know that you have several voices trying to speak to you every day? Yes? You have your own voice trying to speak to you. You have other people trying to speak to you. You have the devil trying to talk to you. And you got God talking to you. How in the world do I discern between all of those? Okay? John 16, 13, 14 says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth. Who's the spirit of truth? That's the Holy Spirit. It says, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all what? Truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak. You get that? Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14 is key. It says he will glorify me. Who's Jesus? Uh, who's me? It's Jesus. It's the word for he will glorify the word for it says for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, let me give you a really key thing here. OK, because once again, we want to be spirit led, 
But the bottom line is I cannot tell you how many people, um, and I was talking to someone about this the other day in the church, that have had a dream, and they'll come and they'll say, you know what? God spoke to me three things in this dream. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm sitting there scratching my head because those three things do not line up with the Word of God. And at that moment, you go, you know what? I'm sorry. I know that's your dream, but you know what? They're directly opposed to what the Scripture says. And unfortunately, too many times people have said, you know what? I don't care. I know God spoke to me. Well, right there when we read this, once again, look at that last part. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus, the Word. For he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, the Word, Jesus, and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit will never speak to you something that is in contradiction to the Word of God. Amen? And once again, guess what? Let me make this really simple. The devil's never going to tell you to do something that's in the Word. So it's really important that we know the Bible so when something comes in, we can, we can evaluate it really quick to see, does it fit anywhere in here? And if not, throw it out. Don't be deceived. Amen? Amen. All right, number three, really simple. So we can live pure. i got to speed up. Psalms 119, 9 and 11 says this. How can a young man or an old man or a young woman or an old woman, right? How can a person keep his way pure by living according to what? To the word. And I love verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a powerful verse. L- listen, when, when Jesus was tempted, we talked about we talked about it last week a little bit. But in Luke four, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, what did he respond all three times? It is written. So the devil's going to come to you. You're going to you're going to have temptation to sin. Doesn't matter how old you are or how saved you are. You are going to be tempted to sin. And at that moment, do you have it is written in your heart to be able to stand on it? Listen, it doesn't it doesn't mean, well, you know, back 20 years ago, you know, whatever. We had an awesome service and the Holy Ghost touched me and I felt goosebumps all over the place. That's not going to get you to attempt uh, to a temptation. The word of God will. Amen. So let me give you some motivation real fast on staying pure, of hiding the word in your heart. The Bible says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they what? They shall see God. I don't know about you, but I want to see him. Amen? It's a great motivation to stay pure. In fact, in Psalms it says this, who who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. I want to go there. Amen? All right, number four. So we can live in freedom. Jesus said this in John 8, 31, 32. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who once again believed in him, those who had faith. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Listen to verse 32. It says, and you shall know. The word know there means you shall understand. So it's a knowledge standpoint. But it's not just knowledge because it also means this. It means that you should recognize the truth by personal experience. In other words, you know that that truth has already been born out in your life. You've already experienced it. So it goes on to say what? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. So revelation of God's word brings freedom in our lives. Amen? So listen, not only over sin, but also over wrong thinking. And a lot of the church has wrong thinking because, once again, they don't base their lives on the word. Okay? Let me throw another one out that's not in my notes. Uh, Basically, why do we need to read the word? Because God wants to heal you through the word. Amen? The Bible says what? That he sent out his word and it healed them. Amen? All right. So number five. Here we go. We're going to try to hustle. These next three are going to be a little bit longer. Here we go. All right. So five is so we can be successful in life. So we can be successful. How many of you guys know God wants you to be successful? All right. You can read the Bible. It's, it's actually a very important thing to God that God's children prosper in a city. 
Yes? Listen, if we're all broke as a joke and we're all poor, how can we further the kingdom? Right? And, and even in this sense, let, let, me, let me maybe paint this picture for you. Hear this with grace, all right? I always think it's really funny that, that the car with the Christian bumper sticker on it, uh, most of those bumpers are about to fall off. You know, and, and they're riding and, you, you know, I, I remember, I remember one time, and I know, listen, money's not our God, I understand that. But I remember, you know, one time being at a place and, and there was a pastor, uh, we, it was a pastor's conference and we were actually, uh, balleting for the pastors. Just a way to serve them, whatever, it was what it was. I was in ministry school. And, and we, one of my buddies hopped in the car and there was a bungee cord holding the other door shut. And I'm not saying to make, make fun of the guy, but the bottom line is, is it's really difficult to go to a rich man and go, you know what? Man, Jesus wants to do blah, 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 blah. And they look at what you have and go, no thanks. God, you know, listen, the Bible says God delights in the prosperity of his servants. And once again, not for our own gain, but so we can further the kingdom and so we can be a witness for him. Are, y- are y'all following me? I'm, I'm, I'm not taking enough time to give that there in balance, but I don't believe God wants all of us to be millionaires. All right? So... Our, definitely our wealth is uh, according to our assignment from God. Okay? All right. So we'll just say it that way and move on. But God does want us to be successful. And I think this is in the physical realm and it's also the spiritual realm. But listen to this verse in Joshua 1.8. It says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Next word is key. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Why do we want to meditate on it? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now watch this, okay? The word meditate there is actually the word picture of a, of a cow, <laughs> okay? It's a cow that chews its cud. Now watch this. What do we cow, what does a cow do? Uh, a cow chews her cud up, down, around, swallows it, then does what? Hopefully what you won't do today with your soup, but it brings it back up, right? And, and chews it some more. Then it goes down back in her stomach, pops back up into her mouth, and she chews it again. Okay? Here's what God is trying to tell us. Is that meditation happens, happens when we continue to let God's word run through our minds and our hearts again and again and again. It's actually a continual again and again and again. Right? So here's what happens. Okay? When we do that... When we let God's thoughts run through the mind of Christ that's in us again and again and again and again, God's principles get rooted and established in us. And what happens when we begin to to operate in our life from that position of God's principles, we can't help but to be successful. Right? Are you following me? When you do it his way, you get results. Amen? So, in in fact, you know, listen, because I know there's a a lot of people, um, you know, that are, Older than me, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you, you guys know who Zig Ziglar is, right? You, you know a guy named John Maxwell. All, all these guys that have taught, even Napoleon Hill, all these guys that you look in the past that have taught all these principles of being, of being successful, every one of the principles that they taught, it just came from the Word. And what happens is they got a bunch of people doing what the Word says, and all these people prospered. Because why? Because of what Joshua 1.8 says. When you do it his way, you'll be successful. All right, so this is key. Here we go. Um, Austin, come here real quick. Noah, come here. Austin's standing to my left. Noah's standing to my right. All right. So I'm going to wake y'all up this morning. At least attempt to. We got look. Y'all got a late game tonight, so catch y'all a nap after church. All right. All right. So another reason that God wants us to read the Bible is number six, and, and we've got one more, and we're going to be done. But uh, so we can be prepared for battle. Once again, we've already said it that. 
that what that uh, we're in a spiritual warfare. Now, let me read this verse to you here. Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 16 through 17 says this, says above all, taking the shield of faith. Somebody say shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's key. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and what? Oh, I'm going to give you a redo on that because that was bad. All right. Take on the helmet of salvation and what? Which is the what? The word of God. All right. So what we have here, if I can say it this way, if we took a evaluation, once again, 18% of Christians actually read the word daily. A lot of them obviously don't, don't live their lives from the word. Here's the way I would say their sword. Let me say it, their shield of the faith looks really fast. Hold that. And here's what their sword of the spirit looks like. But they're like this. I'm ready for war. <laughs> now, how many of you guys know that if you got a paper plate faith and a plastic knife for your sword of the spirit, you're going to get your butt handed to you really quick. <laughs> Amen. So watch this. And this is just kind of for kicks. But, you know, uh, <laughs> I got kids, man. You know, <laughs> it's cadence. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah, I picked you because you're really skinny. Here we go. Now, look, every warrior needs helmet of salvation. I know you worked hard on the hair. Okay, but anyways, here we go. All right. It, it's not going to go down that far. There we go. Man's looking good. Okay. And every warrior Needs his massive shield of faith, right? Are you left-handed? If you're going to fight, you might want to wedge it. Yeah, you want to use the right hand with your sword. That's true. Okay, anyway, so watch this. Okay, so if I can maybe paint a picture for you really fast. All right? So if you look at Noah, Noah has, he's very limited. Yep, yep, get out. I I want the first one, the sword. Grab me the sword. Yep. So the if you look at Noah, Noah would be an individual that knows just a little bit about the word. He's like, yeah, I believe. OK, but he doesn't study the word. He's got some flimsy little shield here. He's got a weak little knife. But what's that? I, well, it was very easily dented. OK, so um, and then if you take also here, if you can use your great imagination, actually act like this is real and not plastic. And, and, and then when it comes to him. Being in the faith, this guy has studied the word. He knows the word. And 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 so he, he's got that. So it's like, you know, this guy really knows how to wield it. Okay, now listen, I, I'm kind of nervous about this next part because I don't know how some people are going to respond in here. But, but can I have my Nerf gun real fast? Can I have my Nerf gun? Let's modernize this real fast. So... Watch this. So, so we got, we got good old Angelo up here. Come on, Angelo. Angelo is, is man, this would be him when it comes to, to getting in warfare. A little bit of battle. Sorry. Sorry. Muzzle flashed him. It was bad. All right, here we go. So, all right. So, so, yeah, don't shoot that. All right. Poke an eye out. We have Nerf gun wars in our house. I love it. All right. So, listen. So, so let me show you this. How many of you guys want to look like this guy? How many of you guys want to look like him? How many of you guys want to look like this guy? How many of you guys want to look like this guy? 
Right, Justin, bring that in real quick, just to modernize this real fast. Because once again, if Jesus was teaching today, I feel like I feel like this is what you're, you're going to stand there. This is what he would say in the analogy. You know, bottom line, do you want a Nerf gun or, or, or do you want an M4? Yes. So I, I don't know about you, but I think I'll take the M4 any day over that right there if we're really going to get on it. Let me even go this route and make it maybe more hit home more. If ice just came to your door. Watch this. The one that's motivating ISIS comes to your door every day. Which one are you attacking him with? Okay, it's, listen, it's really important that you and I get in the word because the devil's not in this for fun. You know, listen, you get mad. That guy's too serious. He's too serious with the word. Well, guess what? The devil's serious. Yes? Amen. All right, give these guys a hand real fast. Just go put them in the office. You did good. You can take that to your seat. You can have that. Look, man, you're going to beat everybody in line. You're ready to go. All right. Here we go. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, all right. Good deal. Austin, anytime you want to borrow that outfit, you can. OK. You have to ask Caden. Here we go. All right. Number seven. We got to get done. Thanks for being patient today. I know this is a lot thrown at you, but thanks for being good. All right. So number seven. So we can withstand the storms of life. This is huge. So we can withstand the storms of life. In Matthew 7, 24, 27, Jesus said this. This is probably my favorite thing I'm going to tell you all day. Okay. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. What's these sayings of mine? This is, this is how Jesus closed up the Sermon on the Mount. So he just taught for several chapters based at the Sermon of the Mount. And this is how he ends it. So these sayings of mine is everything you just said. He said, those who hear these sayings of mine and what? Does them. He says, I will liken him to a wise man. I love what Luke says. Luke says this, says, who dug deep and built his house on the rock. The reason I love that is because of the region we live in. You know, Mr. Bill keeps telling me every week, uh, does it have ledge? We'll have to blast. Does, you know, this is a, this is a region when it comes time, they know how to dig deep. Are you following me? You with me? Yes. They know how to break up hard ground. We need to do that in the spiritual. Amen. It says, who is a wise man who dug deep and built his house on the rock. It says, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Psalms 18.2 says, Jesus is the rock. Amen. So it's founded on the word. Verse 26 says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. All right. It says, we'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was his fall. I want you to notice very quickly that the same rain descended. The same floods came, the same winds blew, the same storm hit, yet one stood stood firm while the other one crumbled, had a great fall. Now, the only difference between the two is what? It's his foundation. It doesn't say anything was necessarily different about the house, but the foundation was the part that was different. And the foundation is what? It's simply living out Jesus' words. Taking his word, believing, obeying it, applying it to our lives, establishing that as our standard 
once again for our lives. And let me remind you of this, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it tells us this. It tells us that we, as God's children, are also known as God's buildings, okay? And it says there in verse 9 and 10, it says, For there is no other foundation than that which can be laid, which is Christ Jesus. So once again, our foundation that we're looking for in the Scripture is Jesus. Let me kind of maybe add something here that I wasn't planning on adding. But the next part of that Scripture, it says this. It says that they... Let me just go to it. In fact, I want you to look at it. Turn to 1 Corinthians 3. All right, here we go. Let me actually give you the right verses. Here we go. So it says this in verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers, and you God's field. You are God's building. So I'm not lying to you right there. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Once again, how did Paul lay on lay the foundation by teaching the word? It says, but let each one take heed to how he builds on it. Somebody say how I build on it. So Paul is going from his responsibility to now this is your responsibility And then he says in verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Watch this. Here's where I want to go. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, it says each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. All right. Now, watch this. So according to the Apostle Paul, who once again is being led by the Holy Spirit, we have a chance to build from six things. One group is basically this, gold, silver, precious stones. The other one's wood, hay, or straw. Real fast analogy for you, okay? It's simply this. If I holler and I say, Glenn, I need you to go find me some pine straw really fast. How many of you guys know Glenn wouldn't have a hard time finding me some pine straw? There's a whole patch of woods right there. He would just have to run out there. I'll show you where it's at after church. And uh, he, he just had to run out there. He'd grab some pine straw, maybe even throw a pine cone in there for, you know, extra, extra good work bonus and, and come in and go, look, I found it. If I say, hey, Noah, go grab me a stick. Noah can go grab me a stick. But if I said this, I said, you know what, Steve, I need you to go find me some gold and don't take it off anybody's finger. All right. Go find me some precious stones. Go find me some silver. How many of you guys know that that's a whole lot harder to find than it is to find the stuff that was on surface level? Watch this, okay? Listen, if, if we go out there and, and we go, we gotta find gold, we gotta find silver, we, we gotta go digging, y'all. We gotta go deep. Notice a while ago in, in Matthew 7, it says that he who dug deep and built his house upon the rock. So bottom line is, is if I just say surface level with the word of God and I just read it occasionally, and and if I just hear it maybe when I come to church, that when I get to heaven, even though I'm saved, the only thing I'm going to have to present to God is some basically little wood hut that will be burned up with fire like that. But the other thing is if I dig deep and I find silver, gold, and precious rubies, what does fire do to every bit of that? It purifies it. It makes it better. I have something after the fire comes. I have something better to offer the king. Are you follow me today? Yes. So let, let me let me show you this. If you don't think it's important. And, and, I, and I did this at, at these guys school. But I called Austin up and I called Jessica up. And I said, if you don't think a precious jewel is, is something that, it, you know, is 
is worth something. I said, imagine this, that these guys grow of age, they fall in love with each other, and, you know, whatever, take that at grace, all right? So, and the day happens, and Austin comes down, he hits his knee, and he says, you know what, Jessica, I absolutely love you, and I want to marry you, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and he whips out of his back pocket a string with a pine cone attached to it. <laughs> How many of you guys know that at that moment, that wood, hay, and straw aren't worth that much? If she says yes, man, she's seriously in love, right? <laughs> that, that thing will last, right? So anyways, whatever. Silly analogy. All right. All right. So going back to this, uh, you know, some of you guys are builders in here, and you guys know that the first and most important feature of any permanent structure is its foundation, right? That the foundation is what sets or determines the, the weight and the height of that house. As soon as you lay that, it determines. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it is. All right. So a weak foundation can only support a small building. A strong foundation can support a large building. So Jesus is saying here that there's a fixed relationship between the foundation and our spiritual walk. So let me just say this one thing. We'll get out the door. If you want to do something great for God, then you better build a great foundation. Okay. It's this. There's people in, in here that that really have a call to do prophetic ministry. There's people who have a call for a healing ministry. There, there's people here called to be great soul winners for the kingdom. Are you with me? You kind of name it. Every bit of that, your, your success in that is determined by how great your foundation is. If you ever think you're going to prophesy to someone something that's of significance and worth, it better have the word in it. Yes, if you ever think you're going to go there and lay hands on somebody and watch them get healed, then there's got to come from a place of revelation of Jesus being the healer. If you're ever going to lead someone to Christ, you better be able to walk them through the Gospels and show them what Jesus, uh, what Jesus did to save them and what salvation really even means. Yes? So once again, I, I believe there's people here that want to do great things for God, but it's got to start there. Amen? All right, final thought. And I'm ditching some things, but final thought. Watch this. A few a few years ago, by a few years ago, I mean like 13, um, Jen and I were actually, um, you know, before we were part of a, a denomination where I youth pastored, and every year they would have their district meetings. Okay? Those are never fun, by the way. All right? Pretty doggone boring. So anyway, so you go and you hear a bunch of business, right? But anyway, so we were sitting uh, on the second to back row. That's how interested I was. That's bad to say all that, isn't it? Yes, she always she always gets on to me after church. Anyway, so you shouldn't have said that. All right, so that I'm admitting it today. Anyways, so we were there. We were with our with our gang, and right in front of us there was another church, and, and it was their youth pastor and kind of some uh, some college age students that he um, was discipling, kind of worked in the ministry with them. And you know, I, I basically I knew a little bit about the guy. A few years prior to that, his wife just left him out the blue. Okay, here's a guy in the ministry trying to do great things for God. And his wife just says, you know what, I'm done being married. And she leaves. And now he's in a denomination because his wife left him, not by his choice. They're punishing him for it. I have issues with that. And so, and so they're sitting there basically and he can't do certain things there and whatever, blah, 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 blah. Well, now he's remarried. God's brought him another wife. He's doing really good. And, uh, but once again, his story, this guy went through hell to get where he was at. And anyway, so his Bible was sitting there. And his Bible was absolutely falling apart. And, and I remember watching some of the, uh, the people that were with him. They opened his Bible and they wrote something on a piece of paper and taped it in the front of his Bible. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. And here's what it said. It said, let me make sure I say this right. He said, it said, a Bible that's falling apart is being read by a life that isn't. 
so good. Here's a, because, you know, what made it so good is knowing the guy's story that this guy went through hell, but yet he still stood. Doesn't mean he didn't feel pain. It didn't mean that he didn't, wasn't hurt, disappointed, but he, he stood the, he stood the test of life. He stood the storm. Once again, a Bible that's falling apart is being read by a life that isn't. So look, you and I are going to go through difficult times. Yes? It's inevitable. Hebrews 1-3 says this. It says, this is what God says in Hebrews 1.3. It says that he upholds all things. Somebody say all things. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So final thought for you today. If God can uphold creation, if he can uphold the universe with every small, intricate detail, break down every atom, if he can uphold every bit of that, if he can hold it together, it, notice it doesn't say words, it says Word. One. If he can uphold all that by his word, what makes us think that his word cannot hold our life together? But what do we got to do is go back to the top. We just got to receive it in faith. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I told myself I was going to be short today. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to get it. Awesome. Hey, ouch. Ouch. I'm going to operate in the fruit of the Spirit and not respond back to that. All right, here we go. That hurt. That hurt. Robbie, I'm going to need you to beat him up after church. All right, here we go. So um, let's just pray, and we'll make a few announcements, and we'll go downstairs. Amen? All right. So, Father, today we just thank you for your word. And, Lord, we uh, thank you that Isaiah is true. It says, God, that when you send out your word, it doesn't return void. And so, Father, we just believe today, God, as we've heard your word God, that there's something in there that needs to lodge in our hearts and to go, Lord, here's how I need to make a course correction. And so, Father, we just pray once again, as we've even prayed in the previous weeks, God, that we'd be people who love your word, that we would be people who value and treasure and honor your word. God, we don't want to be a part of that 18 percent that just comes to your word occasionally. God, we want to be the people, God, that literally... uh, that, that obey your word and plan our lives upon the word, God, that the word would be our very foundation that we live from. And so, Father, thank you today for just increasing our hunger for your word, increasing our passion. And, and Lord, we just ask, God, I know a lot of people are busy, but honestly, Lord, we're, 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 we can't be so busy that we can't spend time with you. And so, Lord, whatever we need to adjust, whatever priorities need to shift, Father, we ask that you would do it. Father, help us to return to what Revelation says, return to our first love, God, in all aspects, because we want to be people, once again, like the Bereans, God, who love you even with our minds. And so, Father, today we love you, we bless you, and, uh, Father, thank you, God, for what you've done in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.